Welcome to Scripture Snapshot. I'm Talitha Chadwick. This is a podcast giving brief thought to the scriptures from the scriptures to edify Christian women in contextual biblical conversation. And as you listen, my sincerest hope is that more conversations about the God of the Bible will come from the God who opens our eyes to see wondrous things from his word. I'll be reading from Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. The New King James Version. Jesus predicts his death and resurrection. Let's get into it. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23 reads, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Christian women, how often do we see the big picture of any given situation? How often do we see ourselves as a part of the bigger picture? The providences of God. The must-happens of God. And do we reject those prescribed precursors in God's plan for our own lives. For his glory and our greater good, sending the free gift of grace at the cost of the cross of Christ, God provided his son the must-happens of his life, death, resurrection, and ascension with Jesus' full awareness, full faithfulness, and full assurance. Jesus' disciples, however, chosen by him, revealed to them as the Christ by the Father, well, not so much. They had to be brought up and into a gradual acceleration over the course of three years, both to his passion and God's providence. He had taught and shown and shaped heavenly sermoned soliloquies to them and at times hard-hitting summations that made for heaviness even sorrow in their souls. Matthew 17, verse 23. That his body, blood, and resurrection had to be the means and the message of God. So we may ask, what was it for Jesus to point out his divine directives to his disciples? To lay out the necessities of suffering and salvation ridicule and redemption, God's wrath and the wealth of grace, and then to be pulled aside and told by Peter, God forbid what you said, Lord, not on my watch. Your conclusion needs rebuking. Maybe Peter was filling his binding and loosening Wheaties from Matthew sixteen nineteen. Was Peter really rebuking Jesus? Or was he rejecting an unimaginable, unforeseeable reality, a must-happen in the life of Christ? Was he both ashamed of Christ's words and anchored to denial? 
Jesus's reply slash rebuke toward Peter was that of the same unction and spiritual fervor he stated to Satan himself in Matthew 4.10. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Jesus's mental, physical, and spiritual focus was always for and on the kingdom of heaven. He wouldn't entertain a temporal facsimile of glory, but a lasting focus and faithful grasp of the glory he would return to once he glorified the Father in John 17, 5, and redeemed the many, past, present, and future, Isaiah 53, 12. Through betrayal, rejection, assault, crucifixion, fulfillment, accomplishment, resurrection, and ascension. Acts 2, verses 23 through 28. Can we even imagine a double-minded Messiah, a worldly-driven and heavenly-missioned Messiah? an earthly jeweled crown void of the wooden one, heavenly credentials that didn't cost him his life, a model of compassion but not the mediator between God and man. Peter represented at that time opposition most set on his mindset, masterminding wiggle room in which Christ could still be Christ without the cross, without the must-happens. Jesus never mixed words, and he couldn't with his disciples endorse two ways of thinking, carnal and heavenly. He impressed upon them that faith has focus and that God has all knowledge. In some of the concluding verses of Matthew 16, verses 24 through 27, Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Do we, in Christ, live like there's an end to our lives? Do we, in Christ, live like we're chosen to live for more? Jesus chose men not based on potential, but of providence. He chose men of his Father's giving. He chose men whose beginning did not ultimately matter, but their brevity. Their brevity in living for him not their knowledge of their lives, but his. And lastly, as I wrap up, 
Who are we in the brevity of life and the brilliance of God in the cross of Christ, but those chosen in Christ to desire daily denial of the world and to make the posture of the cross a passionate pursuit? Our minds now not bent on temporal benefits, but the soul's profit and reward of dying to self every day to follow Christ. Question. Is there wiggle room or rejection of the truth in our faith, ladies? Or the mindset, the attitude, and the fortitude of living heavenly minded? Tell me about it. Have a mindful of the things of God day.